Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On Twitch live stream. Also talk America live each and every weekend. Check out our website. JiggyJaguar.com. We have got more coming up here in just a few moments with our next guest. And uh, before we do that, let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. It's a fantastic, fantastic group of folks. They advertise with us each and every year. They are called DollarSeed.com. Check out DollarSeed.com. They are offering a $25 prepaid gift card for every 50 orders. You can claim the benefit as your own, or if you want... You can go check it out over there at dollarseed.com. This is an absolutely amazing group of folks. Organic seeds are available at dollarseed.com. That's D-O-L-L-E-R-S-E-E-D.com. And remember, a $25 prepaid gift card for every 50 orders. Check it out today at dollarseed.com. That's dollarseed.com. Welcome back to our big broadcast. We are live coast to coast and border to border on Spotify today. Also, iHeartRadio, AMFM247.com, TuneIn, iTunes, and of course, TalkShoe.com. Each and every day, we are available at J-I-G-G-Y-J-A-G-U-A-R.com. We've got a fantastic guest with us to kick off our program today. Mark Mix is with us. He's the president of the National Right to Work Committee, which is a 2.8 million member public policy organization. He also serves as president of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. He joins us today here on our big broadcast via the telephone. Now, Mark, you've got a great organization here. Uh, you guys have been doing a lot of uh, great work over the years. Give us your thoughts on this Nancy Pelosi, big labor, big government, puppet politicians vote to wipe out basically state right to work laws. Yeah, James. Well, first of all, thanks for letting me be on with you and uh, having a chance to talk about this. It was uh, last week in, here in Washington, D.C., uh, Nancy Pelosi and uh, 223 of her friends voted to repeal all the right-to-work laws across the country. Um, that would be 27 of them, including the state of Kansas. And uh, we uh, obviously didn't take too kindly to that, but it's, it's certainly not something that was not expected by this Congress. Uh, union officials, uh, Richard Trunka specifically at the AFL-CIO, said that this was a litmus test issue for them, that anyone who voted against it would not get one dollar from organized labor or one door knocked, and so uh, that was pretty strong talk from Mr. Trumka and, and his uh, a lot of his friends in Washington uh, 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 basically obliged him, and so, uh, yeah, there's a bill that probably is not going to make it too far in the Senate, but yeah, Nancy Pelosi pushed this bill that, among other things, would have repealed all the right-to-work laws in the country, forcing workers to pay dues or fees to get or keep a job. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live. Check out the website, nrtw.org. The National Right to Work uh, folks are with us today here in our program, and Mark Mix with us today here in our program. Now, I know that there are, 
And that, that this is the thing that a lot of folks, that, that they just don't seem to understand. There are a lot of good folks in the union, you know, area, and then there's a lot of, then there's a vast majority of folks that are really bad people that are in, that are in unions. Um, talk to us about what, what, how you guys work with the good folks and try to get things going on, on, on that end of things. Yeah, James, that's a great point. I mean, one of the things that's very, very apparent now in the union movement is the disconnect between union officials on one hand and rank-and-file workers on the other. And you see this every time there's a national election. Union officials spend up to $2 billion every two years on federal elections. And yet a large percentage of union members, unfortunately some who pay those fees and and pay fees to the union that that end up being used in a way that uh, helps politicians, uh, you know, they support the other candidate. And that's really a problem. And so that, that chasm between union officials here in Washington, D.C. and rank-and-file workers across the country is growing wider and wider, particularly in the last three years of the Trump administration. I mean, he's done things that, that rank-and-file workers across the country support. I mean, he wouldn't have won Wisconsin. He wouldn't have won Michigan. He wouldn't have won Pennsylvania. He wouldn't have won Ohio if he hadn't have been appealing to those people that the union officials here in Washington claim to represent. And and, uh, you know, unfortunately, they still continue to support the other side of the aisle. Um, so that's a real important, it's a really big issue. And one of the ways we communicate with them is simply let them know where politicians stand on the issue of freedom and coercion when it comes to union membership. We believe that the right position is, yeah, we protect your right to join a union, participate in the union, and be involved in the union any way you want. But we should never contemplate forcing a worker to pay dues or fees to a union to get or keep a job. And that's really all right to work does. But obviously union officials here in Washington don't like that. And that's why bills like this, this so-called PRO Act that passed the House last week, is designed to repeal all those right to work laws. We have got a fantastic guest with us today. Mark Mix is with us. He's the president of the National Right to Work Committee. It's a 2.8 million member public policy organization. He joins us today here on the telephone talking a little bit about this uh, recent uh, news with Nancy Pelosi. Now, tell, tell us why they, the national right, and not so much you guys, but the concept of a national right to work, uh, why that gets so much uh, negative heat out of folks sometimes. Yeah, well, the idea of individual freedom is something that uh, is often under attack, uh, especially when you have a, uh, a collectivist type of government and a collectivist type of union movement that's, that, that believes that they know best and that everyone should just sit back and let them be taken care of by these elite officials uh, in the unions and in government. It's just really uh, an outrage that they, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that union officials uh, want to repeal right-to-work laws when you, if you look at it and break down the issue, the people they're attacking are the workers who would choose not to participate or join or or support them financially are the workers they claim to represent. It has nothing to do with management. It has nothing to do with politicians. It has everything to do with giving workers the choice and being able to hold union officials accountable. You know, we have this ongoing story. It may not be a big story uh, for most people, but there's a huge scandal involving the United Auto Workers Union. They have now had nine, I think, I believe, at least nine executives of the union either indicted or convicted 
fixated on embezzlement and racketeering charges, and well, not they're being they're being accused of embezzlement and racketeering charges by a federal prosecutor now. But it's a, it's an amazing story because you have workers that are conti- that are forced to support this union, and yet their union officials are stealing money from them. This is why right to work laws work because it gives the employee the power to hold a union official accountable. And unfortunately, union officials don't like that. They they like the compulsion. It's a pretty good business model, James, if you can get it. You know, uh, you just don't have to do anything. People have to pay you every month, and uh, you know you can sit on your on your bottom and not worry about it because the workers have to pay it or they'd be fired. So, you know, union officials have a very a very uh, jaundiced view of right to work, but most Americans, eight out of ten Americans, believe it's wrong to force a worker to pay union dues or fees to get her keep a job. So, while the public's on our side, uh, certainly some politicians and union officials don't like the idea that they have to go out there and sell their product. Now, how did uh, right-to-work laws be, become a, a thing in the United States? Yeah, it's uh, that's a good question. We It started way back in 1935 during the New Deal and Franklin Roosevelt. Prior to 1935, labor policy was basically taken care of at the state level. There were, uh, you know, regular contract law and other issues relating to individual rights and, and disputes was handled at the state level. But President Roosevelt, using the, the Great Depression as a, as a context, said, the federal government is now going to take over all labor management relations. So in 1935, they passed what it was then known as the Wagner Act, which imposed forced unionism on the entire country. Um, in 1937, the Supreme Court said it was okay that they did this after the president pressured them a little bit and said that they might get six new members of the Supreme Court if they didn't approve his agenda as constitutional, including this Wagner Act. And so from 1937 to 1946, the union movement grew dramatically. Uh, their numbers went up dramatically. Unfortunately, they used that new power to leverage the country in, in significant numbers of labor disputes and work stoppages during that period. In 1946, Congress came back in with a new Congress, and they said, you know what, we may have gone too far with this Wagner Act, and so they passed what is called the Taft-Hartley Act, which was an addition to the Wagner Act, which allowed states, if they could, by affirmative action, pass what are now known as right-to-work laws, meaning they could outlaw this forced fees payment system that was created by the federal government. Since 1947, 27 states have done that. Kansas did it back in 1958. Um, and, and, excuse me, we've had five states in the last eight years that have passed right-to-work laws, including Michigan, Indiana, Wisconsin, West Virginia, and Kentucky. And so it's been an, an exciting time for us, an exciting time for worker freedom. But that's how right-to-work got started. It's really quite simple, but it's a result of government action that gave union officials dramatic powers over workers. And when they tried to fix that, instead of repealing the whole act, which they never do here in Washington once something's passed, they just amended it. And so states can pass what are known as right-to-work laws because of that. Fantastic. And now, uh, where, where can we go for more information and, and get more information on your organization, be involved with some of the issues you guys talked about today? Yeah, James. Um, uh, for legislation and what's going on around the country here in Washington, folks can go to that amazing invention of Al Gore, that internet, and it's www.nrtwc.org, National Right to Work Committee.org, nrtw.c.org. And then for the foundation, for legal representation and to see what's going on in the court system across the country, um, they can go to nrtw.org.org, and they can find information about the committee and the foundation at both of those sites, and uh, and and I think I would encourage them to go there and just see what, uh, what, what we're up to and, and what's happening here in Washington and what's happening in the court system across the country. 
Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you making time, and I definitely will be in touch. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you, man. Thank you, James. Appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. Bye. Bye. There he goes, Mark Mix. We've got Richard Kurtz coming up on the other side. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 